presenting John Gabriel, the undisputed king of stuff. What is up, podcasts? This is your favorite podcast host, John Gabriel, and your favorite podcast, The King of Stuff. What can I tell you? They are still counting in Arizona. We're going to have more votes coming out tonight for some of the down-ballot races. But the main coats... But the main counts are in, as I'm sure you've seen. I've been updating the vote tabulation nightly. I'm recording this uh, Wednesday afternoon, and I'm sure I'll do another update tonight. But now, like I said, it tends to be the smaller contests. Um, Want to give a shout out to Beam Dream. They are our advertiser yet again this week. Great product. You will hear more about them later. But the past two weeks have been rather insane for yours truly, uh, doing a lot of media because I'm kind of the Arizona guy that some national folks know. So people keep saying, hey, we need to interview you for the podcast. Why aren't you counting vote faster, John? That's not my job. Um, And writing for various places, wrote for CNN, just submitted an article for The Spectator, and of course, for the local paper I write for, the Arizona Republic. So um, it has been very, very busy, but finally, that busyness is dying down. Here's what happened. It isn't a conspiracy. And I know it's very easy. We are in a very low-trust environment. Nobody trusts our institutions anymore, regardless of party or even if anyone belongs to a party. Um, Look at any kind of polls. I know every year Gallup does a poll. Um, What is your uh, trust level in various institutions? And a lot of them are in the single digits, including uh, usually Congress, both houses of Congress. The White House is often down there. Journalism is usually the very lowest, the highest, but it's dropping like a stone is the military. That used to be around 80 percent. And now it's dropping like by 10 points over the past few years. So people don't trust their government. They don't trust what's going on. They don't trust the media to report it accurately. So you see a situation like Arizona where it takes over a week to count the votes and people are seeing shenanigans. Now, a lot of people are like, well, this is terrible. You tinfoil crazy people. How dare you come up with conspiracy theories? No, this is the natural result. These conspiracy theories arrive when people don't trust the people telling them what's what. They can't turn to the media because they don't trust them. They can't turn to government officials because they don't trust them. And a lot of these people, they don't trust them because they keep lying to them repeatedly. So I don't blame people for coming up with conspiracy theories because, yeah, it looks bad, but um, never attribute to conspiracy what is better explained by incompetence. And uh, our electoral system in Arizona is a very model of incompetence. Um, As everybody has seen, they can count all the votes in Brazil in three hours. They pick the winners in Florida an hour after the polls closed. Uh, Not so in Arizona. Well, a lot of things go into it. And since I'm here, before I get to other issues, this won't be an Arizona-only podcast, but I keep getting questions about it. How it works here is everybody goes and votes. You you can do mail-in ballots. Now, mail-in ballots aren't controversial here. They've had them since the early 1990s. They're a very common part of our election. We've had them forever. They haven't been changed. So it's not like it was a new COVID-related invention. It's something we have 30 years experience with now. So those are mailed in and they get counted as they come in. Then the people who vote at the polling place, those are counted electronically. Okay, those two are done. Here's where it gets a little hinky. 
You have a lot of people who don't trust the Postal Service or some kind of a Dropbox, which we do not have that many of them. There's a few, but they're not very popular here. People aren't big fans since that was an innovation with COVID. Well, they don't trust that. So a lot of GOP candidates told their supporters, hey, vote the day of the election. Even if you have the mail-in ballot, go drop it off by hand at your polling place because we don't want this thing getting disappeared somehow. So people listened, and they did that. I actually did that. I dropped off my mail-in ballot on Election Day, but it wasn't because I didn't trust the post office or drop boxes. It's because I procrastinate a lot. I, I got it weeks before the election, and I was just busy doing other things. I have a very rigorous nap schedule. So I did not get to it. So what I did is I went to my local polling place, dropped off the ballot where you're supposed to drop those off. No harm, no foul. Why it takes a long time to count these are two reasons. One is we don't have that many polling places. I ran the numbers because Florida does a great job now after their disaster in 2000. For Miami-Dade County, they have one polling place for about every 2,500 residents. Arizona, Maricopa County, the largest county here, larger than um, Miami-Dade, by the way, We have one polling station to every 21,000 people. So Florida beats us by like nine to one, just the sheer number of polling places. So our polling places get backed up. They're crowded. They don't have the facilities or the equipment to count all the votes. And so they get shipped off to a central processing location. And then at the central processing location, you have Republican observers, Republican lawyers, Democratic observers, Democratic lawyers. They all need to get together, verify the signature on the outside of the envelope is correct. Then they count the votes. Then a board reviews them, including both parties and lawyers from both parties. Then they give the AOK, this looks like a legitimate vote, and then it goes into the final count. Needless to say, this causes a lot of delays, especially because we're used to mail-in ballots, not those dropped off on the day of. But that is the reason it's taking so long. The frustrating thing is the exact same thing happened in 2018 and in 2020. And what did the state do about it? Did they reform things like Florida did after 2000? No. Instead, people came up with conspiracy theories, especially Trump supporters, And the elections officials just mocked and ridiculed them as stupid conspiracy theory idiots. And you people are idiots and you don't know what you're talking about. Everything is perfectly safe. We followed the rules to a T and you're just whining because you lost. Well, that is not a way to raise trust in the system, to say the least. Why don't you actually, I don't know, fix the election system so we can have results the same night or at least by the next day if it's some super close race that's only separated by a few thousand votes. That's not too much to ask. We heard a lot about saving our democracy, protecting our democracy over this election cycle. The only way you do that, the easiest way to do that, is make sure that people trust their vote is being accurately counted and illegal votes are not getting into the mix. So I'm always a big believer in um, governmental incompetence. I, I started believing that strongly when I was in the Navy. little goofy story from that. Um, whenever you ordered a part in the Navy... If memory serves, I'm going by memory here, but there's like the 16 character code for each item you could order. This alphanumeric code you have to do. It might have been more than 16. I can't remember. Well, uh, the guy on our uh, sub ordered something innocuous and sent it into Washington, D.C. A month later, our sub pulls into port and there is a tail hook assembly 
for an aircraft carrier sitting on the dock waiting for our submarine. Now, um, those of you not familiar with uh, naval ship design, submarines do not launch jet fighters off their decks, at least not that I've seen. And uh, But nevertheless, Washington looked at the code and said, this is the code for this tailhook assembly and shipped it from D.C. or wherever the heck it was manufactured all the way to Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. Who knows what that cost? And so they had to send it back and change one character on the uh, supply request form and uh, get whatever the heck we actually requested. Um, government um, is not famed for competence, especially when you're dealing with governmental workers, bureaucrats who are just trying to check the clock for 20, 30 years so they can get their good retirement. Um, I'm not saying this to belittle the Arizona elections officials. Heck, probably some of them are listening. I'm just stating the fact. This is the government in action. Uh, conservatives have always been skeptical about how effective and efficient governmental entities are. This is another example of them not doing a very good job. They are following the law to a T, but the law stinks. So reform the law, Arizona. There's a lot of people I've heard um, from legislators, actually, uh, getting back to me after writing about this. Yeah, we're working on stuff, so... Next time we're in session, we can fix this. Hopefully, everybody will agree to fix this because that's the thing. It looks really bad. And I've um, had to explain this to different uh, hosts around the country. And they're just like, man, I just don't trust this. How are these votes coming in so late? Um, if there was something weird going on, something looked illegal, I would have heard about it and I would be shouting it from the rooftops. I haven't seen any. I didn't see any in 2020. And every time a theory came up, like we found fibers of bamboo from East Asia in the paper, I actually tracked these kinds of things down. And there is no basis that the election was turned. And there might have been fraud on the margins, you know, little, I don't know, one person voted for their dead grandma, that kind of thing, but not enough to flip 12,000 votes. Um, and you also had the whole rigged thesis Molly Hemingway came up with. That totally makes sense, that the media was allied against Trump, that tech companies censored pro-Trump content, punished anyone who is running by Trump's side, uh, all these crazy conspiracy theories about them. Yes, that whole part of it completely rigged. I'm just talking about the mechanical process of voting and counting said votes. Um, it's a horrible system and uh, is worthy of great scorn and derision, but it's not corrupt per se. It's just lousy. It's government doing what government does, pretty much. Now, part two in Arizona. A lot of people asked me, and this is a great point, how in the heck, uh, Carrie Lake, leading in the polls for governors. I voted for her. I voted pure Republican ticket because I'm so annoyed at Democrats right now. Um, yeah, Lake was leading in the polls. Blake Masters within was within shooting distance. He led by like a point in some polls, but most of them were he was down, but within the margin of error. Very close. He was surging towards the end. And then when you have these late vote counts come in, they're coming from predominantly Republican areas. So everybody's like, oh, cool. Republican areas that translate to Republican votes. That is not how it turned out. As it turns out, you would have a lot of Republicans voting for Republicans up and down the ticket, except for the more America first, hashtag MAGA, those type of candidates like Carrie Lake, Blake Masters, Mark Fincham, who is running for Secretary of State, um, Abe Hamada, another guy who probably will win, by the way, I'll get into that later. But those people were punished by a lot of voters. Voters are just like, 
Look, and, and what the exit polls showed that 11% of GOP voters did not support Lake for governor. That indicates who I'm calling the McCain Republicans. Uh, John McCain, of course, passed away tragically four years ago. But you still have his type of voters out there. Uh, obviously, Cindy McCain, Megan McCain, they're out there talking. They endorsed Biden two years ago, and Biden eked out a win. These are not the majority of the party. These are a small percentage of the party. Probably, as the polls showed, 10, 11 percent of the uh, Republicans out there are what you'd call McCain Republicans. But Carrie Lake lost by one percentage point, at least in the current count. She needed all those votes. And so what you have is a situation where a candidate who's just does a good job, stays in the shadows, doesn't draw a lot of attention to herself. Kimberly Yee, she was Arizona State Treasurer. She's a Republican. She's she's a known quantity. And what she ran on was, look, I own a calculator. I know how to count good. You should support me because I'm fiscally responsible. That's what you want out of a treasurer. She got 118,000 votes more than Carrie Lake did because she didn't run on Stop the Steal, MAGA, all this stuff. Now, to their credit, Lake, Masters, all those people whom I I supported all of them, um, they toned all that kind of Trump, Trump, Trump rhetoric after the primary campaign, and I praise them for it. It's just like, good, you, you need to broaden the tent. You need to reach out to voters who might be un, unfavorable towards Trump. Pull in a few independents and Democrats, and you can get over the line. But unfortunately, the weekend before the election, uh, Carrie Lake did a very well-publicized campaign speech where she said, we don't have any McCain Republicans in here, do we? All right, get the hell out. And then she said, boy, Arizona sure has delivered some losers, haven't they? Well, the McCain Republicans heard that and they accepted her advice. You want us to get the hell out? We will get the hell out. And we will either leave our ballot blank for your race or we'll vote for the Democrat because we're sick of you. And you obviously hate us. We don't like you either. That's not how you win elections. What you do, it's very much the Charlie Crist things where he won the Democratic primary and he said, if anybody supports Ron DeSantis, I don't want your vote. I don't want you voting for me. You're a racist, sexist, homophobe, transphobe, whatever else he allegations that he had. And guess what? He lost by close to 20 points to Ron DeSantis. Don't insult voters and tell them you will refuse their vote. It's not wise. And I think if she hadn't have done that and hadn't kind of blasted this whole McCain Republican group, the establishment, the country club Republicans, the Rockefeller Republicans, whatever you want to call them, she lost by less than 1%. And if she just would have attempted to mend fences with them, she would be the next governor of Arizona. So um, she was a new candidate. She had never run before. Um, but uh, yeah, they talk about in old Greek tales about how hubris invites nemesis. And nemesis comes and destroys you. Once you start being hubristic about things, that's what happened. Um, Blake Masters wasn't as aggressively anti-McCain, but he was an unknown quantity. He was outspent seven to one by the Democrat. And the main majority of that spending was done just after the primaries when Blake Masters didn't have two nickels to rub together. And nobody knew who Blake Masters was among the common people. And so they define Blake Masters in not so flattering and uh, very deceptive ways. So he had a lot to make up. He didn't get that done. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
On the other hand, we're going to have a moron for a governor, Katie Hobbs, who showed up to work 19 times over the past year as Secretary of State. <sighs> not looking forward to that. However, um, it is not a Democratic route because the GOP has held on to a one-seat majority in the state House, a one-seat majority in the state Senate. So the state legislature is GOP-led. Um, you also have uh, the state attorney general, Abe Hamada, and I will give a uh, personal um, warning. I know him. Uh, we worked together. He was, when I was at the Goldwater Institute, an Arizona-based think tank, he was there for a while, too. Got along great, great guy. Voted for him, too, of course. He is just, at last I checked, about 500 votes behind the Democrat, who I also know. Her name's Chris Mays. And when I first matriculated to the Stanford of the West, known as Arizona State University, I joined the school paper, and everybody on there was just slacking off, and I was just like task-oriented, let's kick butt, let's get the work done so I can get home, so I can get to my day job, so I can study. Um, everybody was a slacker there, except the editor-in-chief of the college newspaper, who is Chris Mays. She's running for AG now. Uh, so she was a very good uh, college journalist. I do not want her running the state. Uh, she has too many connections with defund the police types. She is, of course, a Democrat. Um, but anyway, um, it looks like Abe will probably eke that out. There might be a recount because, boy, it's close. Um, also, the superintendent of public instruction, that's basically the education secretary, I was, if you talked about it nationally. Um, Tom Horn has a lot of uh, iffy things in his background. He uh, has been charged with corruption and other weird shenanigans and stuff, but he has an R after his name, and he is going to, he's leading in the polls, and he will oust the Democratic Secretary of Education. I voted for him again. But John, he's skeevy. Yeah, but uh, this is a school choice state. And I just want someone with an R after their name to uh, block any kind of changes that would favor teachers unions over our very expansive school choice uh, network that we have in the state. So that's where it stands. Certainly not uh, a route of the Republicans, but the big races, they were a route and they were a surprise to me to Democrats in the state, to Republicans in the state. Everybody was expecting a lake victory, and Democrats started cutting their ties to Hobbs a month before Election Day, saying her campaign is lost. She's not debating. She's not working for it. She's not giving speeches. What's the point? Why did we let her win her primary? She's horrible. And then all of a sudden, she ended up winning. So I'm sure a lot of these leftist columnists will be like, ah, we were joking. We're so happy you're our governor and you'll be great, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, everyone predicted Lake to win. She had been leading in the polls for a very long time. And she was obviously a wonderful campaigner. Whew. Except bashing 10% of your own party. That 10% that you need to eke over the finish line with a, with a W. So uh, that's what happened there. Also in the U.S. House, we used to have, uh, what is it? I think we have nine seats um, in the U.S. House of Representatives. Six of those, or five of those were controlled by Democrats. So there were more Democrats than Republicans as of right now. In this election, you now have a majority of Republicans. You have six Republicans, three Democrats. So uh, flipped three seats in Arizona for the GOP. So that is good as well. Um, of course, the U.S. House of Representatives was pretty much called last night as being GOP controlled only by um, a hair, a whisker, if you will. 
But that's the update from Arizona, and we need to fix our election, and I, yeah, I have an article coming out in The Spectator about that. Don't know when it'll be posted, um, but that's that. With the colder months approaching, nothing is more important than getting enough sleep. That's right. Those lazy summer days are dead and gone, people. It's time to prepare your body for cooler weather and very, very busy schedules. If my life is any uh, reference point there. Sleep has far-ranging effects on everything from your energy levels to your mood to your immune system and even your hunger levels. It's truly your superpower this holiday season, and you don't want to miss these crucial seven to nine hours of sleep that you're supposed to be getting. Um, I said before on this when I've advertised for this fine product, in fact, I've always had a tough time sleeping. And uh, something that really helped is this, introducing Beam Dream. And you've heard me in the past just raving about Beam's Dream Powder, their healthy hot cocoa for sleep. Well, today, my listeners get a special discount on a delicious seasonal flavor of Dream Powder called White Chocolate Peppermint. Imagine swirls of peppermint in creamy white chocolate, but with only 15 calories, better sleep has never tasted better. Dream contains natural sleep-promoting premium ingredients. It's triple lab tested, contains no THC, and you actually wake up refreshed instead of like when I've tried either over-the-counter or even prescription sleep aids where I'm just groggy for the next 36 hours, and it's terrible. You don't get that with Beam. A recent clinical study revealed that Dream helped 93% of users wake up feeling more refreshed, and 93% reported that Dream helped them get a more restful night's sleep. I'm one of those uh, 93% folks. Just mix Dream into hot water or milk, stir or froth, and enjoy before bedtime. Find out why Forbes, the New York Times are all talking about Beam and why it's trusted by the world's top athletes and business pros. Don't love it? Get your money back and that is a guarantee, folks. So if you want to try Beam's best-selling white chocolate peppermint dream powder, it's only available for a limited time, so grab some before it runs out. Beam is having their biggest sale of the year. And seriously, folks, once you try this stuff, you're going to be hooked in the best way because it's like, wow, I actually uh, fell asleep pretty easily. I wasn't stressed about my day. And then I actually was refreshed first thing when I woke up in the morning and not all groggy because I took some weird medicine that I don't even know what the heck it is. So anyway, Beam's having their biggest sale of the year. Get up to 50% off when you go to shopbeam.com slash cyber and use the code cyber at checkout. That's B-E-A-M dot com slash cyber and use code cyber for up to 50% off. So once again, the stuff works great. It's all natural. It's super easy to take. It's actually enjoyable to take at night. It's not some weird tasting concoction that you got from your local herbalist or something like that. Tastes good. Works great. Thanks very much to Beam for sponsoring the King of Stuff podcast. In other news, sorry for rambling about Arizona. It's just people have been peppering me with questions for a week and a half about this. And it's just like, this is my podcast. I'm just going to knock out the knowledge for you people out there. So everybody kind of uh, hears it for me, what's going on here, and uh, my thoughts on it. Uh, Other big news, uh, Trump filed paperwork and did an announcement at Mar-a-Lago Tuesday night, throwing his hat in the ring to be our next president the once and future president, much like Grover Cleveland, the only other president to have two terms in office uh, separated by someone in the opposing party. Trump's running again. I expected it. Most people expected it. Um, At the same time, most of us, or at least let's say many of us hoped, you're 76, maybe step aside because you're so kind of toxic among many voters, including in Maricopa County, as we saw. 
Um, we liked a lot of what you did as president. I certainly did. Um, but you're not going to be able to win election again. And that has been proven by he lost in 2020. He lost the midterms in 2018. The vast majority of his candidates in uh, this year lost. And now he wants to take back the party. And he kind of previewed this by, um, for the past week, slamming various Republican pretenders to the throne. Ron DeSantis, he's most nervous about him, called him Ron DeSanctimonious, which is a horrible nickname. One, it's too long. Secondly, he's not sanctimonious. When you call Jeb Bush low energy, you look at him, you're like, yeah, he's low energy, you know. When you call him little Marco, yeah, Marco Rubio, he's short. Um, yeah, when there needs to be something to kind of hook onto for the person. And most people don't see Ron DeSantis as sanctimonious. Uh, most people just see him as competent, as based. I don't know. I'm sure there's another insult he can come up with. That workshopping did not go well because even I know on Twitter, many Trump supporters, uh, people dedicated to the Trump prayer are like, well, you shut up. We're having the midterms. Stop, you know, hold your fire until those are done. Um, it obviously didn't affect uh, DeSantis's performance in Florida. Who knows? Maybe it even helped him. But Trump is in the effort. He's also blasted. Well, he mocked Mike Pence. He blasted Glenn Youngkin in a weird name. On Truth Social, Trump said, Glenn Young Kin. That sounds Chinese. I'm like, what? Oh my gosh. What, what does that even mean? And then he took all the credit for Winsome Sears and Youngkin's victory last year in Virginia and said what a horrible person Glenn Youngkin is. And he doesn't uh, credit Trump when the only reason he won was Donald Trump. And the only reason DeSantis won was Donald Trump. And the only reason. DeSantis won re-election was Donald Trump. Dude, let it go. Let it go. Um, I didn't actually watch the speech last night because I was writing another piece. But um, yeah, it um, people weren't really impressed. They said it looked pretty low energy. I saw, you know, little bits of it. I read through the transcript. Uh, weird thing is towards the end where he kept repeating, I am a victim. I am a victim. It's like, that is not a good, please send me to the White House speech. Um, a lot of it was just Trump stuff. He did say that he wanted to execute drug dealers um, when in his previous administration, he reduced their jail sentences in a criminal justice reform effort, which a lot of people on all sides praised, even Democrats, uh, libertarians. They were all praising him for that. Now he wants to execute drug dealers. Um Again, um, it, something about it just feels like last week's news. Um, it, a big problem for Trump now is he ran in 2016 as the iconoclast, the outsider, the anti-establishment guy who would say whatever he wanted. Well, now he is the establishment. He's the former president. He's still considered the leader of the GOP, as we saw in this past midterm election. People defer to him as the leader. And instead of going up against people like the Clintons and the Bushes who have been in the public consciousness for 30 years... Now he's going after fresh meat who's doing great work like DeSantis, like uh, Youngkin. Um, it, it's a very different dynamic. Now you just feel like you're bullying people. Instead, he was hitting the establishment and the insiders, even people like Ruby or Cruz that had been in D.C. for four to six years. Um, yeah, he could hit, hit them as political creatures, creatures of the swamp. He could hit them that way. Now, He's been in Washington for four years. I, I just don't see how that works. 
Also, the attacks against Trump are very easy to see right now. Why didn't you fire Anthony Fauci? Why didn't you more strongly oppose school closures? Why didn't you more strongly oppose lockdowns? Why didn't you show up in force with the National Guard to uh, restore peace to Portland, Minneapolis, New York City, and other cities around the country that were burning the summer before the election? Um, Yes, he did some work on that front didn't get it done. In his declaration last night, he said, I promised I'd build a wall and we finished it. I live in Arizona. The wall ain't finished, folks. And uh, some of the huge gaps, um, our governor decided to drop uh, containers like on the back of trucks that get shipped on uh, on global shipping. Um, he just set those up in the gaps to kind of mitigate the damage. But the wall isn't finished. Everybody knows it's not finished. So it's going to be pretty easy to denounce him on those things. As for him, a lot of people were just saying, Trump, it would be better if he stepped aside for the good of the party. He's not going to step aside. He was never going to step aside. That's not in his character. That's not in his nature. He's not going to do it. And frankly, he has every right to run for president. He wants back in, and that's fine. Whoever wants to run for president can run for president. And I think it's better for whoever might succeed him to the nomination to defeat him. They got to go through and they need to defeat him and they need to take the grassroots with them. This isn't something you shouldn't have Mitch McConnell and Jeb Bush in a back room paying off Trump to stay out of the race. No, the grassroots created Donald Trump and the grassroots need to defeat him if he's going to be defeated, if he's going to go away. Um, This is not a top-down, beltway-led initiative to coax him not to run for re-election because all he'll do is be on the sidelines taking pot shots at the Republican Party anyway and maybe at the final hour, at the 11th hour, uh, throw his own hat in the ring as uh, independent. You can't coddle him. It's like if you want to face him down, if you don't think he's the best candidate, I don't, but you got to put your money where your mouth is and uh, defeat him among voters. And you don't have to be a jerk about it. You don't, you know, but just he's a politician. Everybody's a politician. And politicians know how to deal with him a little bit better now, I would think, since he's been in the public eye so long. And they need to defeat him and bring the grassroots, bring kind of the America first to the more mega people in our party who are like, nope, I am ride or die. I am Donald Trump train all the way. You need to convince those people, you know what, it's probably in your best interest if you support me, and here's why. They might not be buying it, but that's how you're going to win the election, and that's how you're going to prevent a third-party effort by Trump, which he will do. We all know that he will do that if he thinks there's a path to it. If it turns out he gets just shattered in the primaries and he finds out, wow, all these voters in these places used to support me and now they've turned against me. It's not like they hate him or they want him thrown in jail. They just decided this other person, whoever it might be, is a better pick. Then he will just say, look, this is all rigged. I'm cheated. But then he'll go back to Mar-a-Lago and hang out at the back nine. This isn't going to be done by wishful thinking. It's not going to be done by pundits at National Review or the Wall Street Journal or a Yahoo like me out here way outside of the Beltway. It's not going to be us whining about him or, as they tried in 2016, mocking people who support Donald Trump. That didn't work in 2016. It's not going to work today. Um, What I did, I was never Trump in 2016. I'm like, I am leaving the party. I voted for the libertarian dude, the stoner who didn't know what Aleppo was. And then 
lo and behold, Trump not only won the primary, he won the general election. And I thought, oh, that's kind of fun to see uh, Hillary go down in flames. That night, or first thing in the morning, the following morning, I went on to Ricochet, where there was a lot of Trump fans, and I said, you guys won fair and square. I was wrong. The polls were wrong. Most conservative media was wrong. Look, he's president now. First, congratulations. And uh, as I said, I was wrong. And let's all hope for the good of the nation that he knocks it out of the park. And that's why I didn't get this kooky, never-Trump hangover that people define their lives by either opposing or supporting Trump. I don't care that much about individual politicians. I care about what they do in office. And for the most part, what Trump did in office was good. I obviously disagreed with a lot of things. I disagreed with a lot of things with every president we've ever had. Um, However, as it turned out, he did a lot more good than bad. And yeah, people were mean to him. They made him a victim, all these things. Um, I don't think it's the best chance going forward. Part of this, too, is my long concern about America being a gerontocracy. It's rule by the old. Um, I'm just spitballing these ages. I might be wrong. Trump is 76. Joe Biden, I think he just turned 79 or he's 78. I think he's just turned 79 recently. Okay, so 76, 79. Nancy Pelosi is about 81, I think. Mitch McConnell is about 83, I think. Chuck Schumer is riding 70. We have way too many very old people past retirement age, sometimes by decades, running our nation. And this sounds morbid, and I don't mean it to sound morbid. What if two of them die at the same time or in the same couple months? two major leaders controlling major wings of our parties. This is just following the actuarial tables. This is not, ooh, yeah, I I think they're sick and I think they have a secret disease. This isn't a conspiracy theory. They're very old people and things happen. I don't think I'll last as long as freaking Mitch McConnell. Dude's been around forever. And uh, that puts America at a distinct disadvantage. I'm really tired of voting for people who are over 75. And that is what a Trump campaign would mean if Biden decides to get reelected. I said last week, and again, it's like, I feel like I need to couch everything with talking about Biden's age or Fetterman's health or anything. I'm just speaking what everybody already knows. I don't know if Joe Biden lasts two more years. And this, uh, once again, these are just hard facts and data. These are actuarial tables. He is not doing well. He is not doing well mentally. And if uh, frickin' Fetterman can have a stroke at 51 or whatever he is, Joe Biden could have one, and he's had many in the past, and it's gonzo. So I'm tired of having super, super old leaders. This is a dynamic world. It's a dangerous world. It's a busy world. Needs someone a little bit younger. It's not like we need to set age restrictions. Just can we kind of seed a couple people under 75 in our highest positions in the United States government? Because they're all 70 plus, mostly 75 plus. And that's not very wise from a geopolitical uh, strategy there. Because you could have a year where three of them pass away or are incapacitated health-wise. And that is not good for the country um, abroad. It is not good internally. It's kind of amazing we've dodged the bullet and they haven't been dropping like flies earlier than this. Again, yes, I know I'm a horrible ageist and I'm terrible and I'm wishing ill on people. Obviously, I'm not. I'm t- we all have elderly family members and sometimes someone is very healthy and then they have a heart attack. Then they can't really do their jobs well for the next three months. Then they pass away. This is real life here. 
that's what I've been concerned about from the start for Biden. Yes, he's loopy mentally, and he's not there mentally. This can affect his entire body very, very quickly, just as it did with my dad. I was not wishing for ill for my dad. It was tragic to watch, and I'd rather not see it play out behind the desk in the Oval Office. Let me do an aside here on this whole Ron DeSantis versus Donald Trump thing. I'm going to get into woo-woo territory. Are you familiar with Joseph Campbell? He's the guy who wrote the book that inspired classic storytelling, like in Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Wars. He had this idea called the monomyth, and it's how all cultures, all languages throughout history have settled on one particular myth that they just translate into their own cultures. And it has all these things. You have the upstart hero who's an outsider, and he's fighting to be on the inside. He has to conquer. He has a weakness, and he needs to conquer that. And then there's a dark night of the soul. This is how every Hollywood movie is made now. He has a dark night of the soul, and then he rises above it, and he gathers the team together in one last courageous battle, and then they all defeat Loki, or whatever the heck the villain of the week is for a Marvel movie. It's a very common story, and it's very common because it works, and it just speaks, it it clicks with human nature in how we want stories to be uh, told. And you see this with the most ancient stories in uh, the literary, the Western canon, and even beyond the Western. You see it in Mesopotamian literature, Epic of Gilgamesh kind of stuff, all the Greek things. Well, there's this pattern in storytelling, and this is why the story of Donald Trump will not end with him saying, I decided I want to be very polite, and I will politely step down and invite Ron DeSantis or whatever your preferred candidate's name is. I'll invite you to take over. You know what? I'm just going to relax. I'm going to sit on this rocking chair and take up whittling. It was never going to be that way. Everybody knew it would never be that way. Instead, Going all the way back to Greek myth, you have something called the succession myth. It's a key thing. It happens throughout mythology, not only in Greek mythology. That's just the most familiar. All these Near Eastern countries, uh, if you read the Bible, you'll hear about Baal, who the Canaanites worshipped. How did Baal get put in charge? Well, they uncovered ancient, ancient tablets. He killed the last guy who was in charge, and now he's the big deal. Now he's the number one god. And then eventually, what happened in Egypt, Egyptian, ancient Egyptian civilization lasted so long, then a zillion of these dudes. One time, Osiris would be number one. Then Ra would defeat him. Ra? Ray? I think it's pronounced Ray. Ray would defeat him, and he was the number one god. Very common principle. And again, you see this all over in Hollywood. You don't just have the top dudes step aside politely. The young upstart needs to face them and defeat them, and then they take charge. Uh, perfect example, you had the Titanomachy. Probably messing up the pronunciation. Go with me here, I'm rolling. Titanomachy, this was the war between the upstart gods, Zeus, Athena, the new kids on the block, as they were, and uh, against the Titans, who were the old rulers. They were the ones in charge. They were cruel and mean and nasty people. And then what happened is Zeus and his little team of Avengers, they beat up, went to war with the Titans, beat them all, threw them into Sheol, Hell, Hades, Tantalus, whatever it was, and they took over. That's the succession myth. And you have it repeating again, cultures to time immemorial, all the way back to the modern day. You need the young upstart to defeat the old guard and then take charge. That's what the younger candidates in the GOP need to do. Will it be easy? No. 
Will it tick a lot of people off? Yep, it sure will. But that's how politics work. You need to, um, power is not get granted, it is taken. And this is a principle going back to Machiavelli. I'm getting very literary here, by the way. This is the way stories work, and this is the way Trump's story was destined to turn out. And yeah, when they go against Trump, they might fall straight on their face. So all the Trump fans out there, just know what's ahead. He's going to be challenged. He might win. He might lose. But that's how this is going to go. We will see what happens there. But uh, I don't think um, any younger Republicans should just be sitting back on their own rocking chairs and saying, you know what? I just hope I can convince him just to retire because he's not going to do that. That's not who Donald Trump is. That's not who 99% of politicians are. They had to peel, claw the uh, grasping fingers of Harry Reid off the Senate Majority Leader desk. He was not leaving for any reason, and that's how all these politicians are. As you know, Nancy Pelosi is 346 years old. She is clinging to that power like crazy. They cannot let it go. It is Gollum in the ring, baby, and they are not letting it go. And no powerful politician is going to let it go. It needs to be taken from them. And in order to take it from them, they need to get the party base on their side. They need, I don't know, at least half of the America First types to go, you know what, Trump, glad you did what you did. I voted for you twice. I think I'm going to put my bets on this new person, this new woman, this new man. I'm just going to go with them this time. No offense. You don't need to be a jerk about it. You don't need to say we cast you into um, the abyss. Just saying, eh, if enough people say, yeah, it's time to move on. We need some fresh blood. We need some new perspective. We have different problems now than we did six years ago, eight years ago, whatever. That's what's it's going to have to be. It's not going to be some inside conspiracy where uh, DeSantis meets with GOP establishment and they concoct a plan. No, you got to win voters on the ground and you got to go for it. Maybe you'll win, maybe you'll lose. Anyway, that is my mythological digression of the day. Okay, now the all important song du jour. What is week in French? Song of the week? I don't know what week is in French. Le week, something like that. Anyway, um, the song of the week is going to be from one of my favorite newer bands. They're called Narrowhead. Two words, if memory serves, they're from Austin. And uh, they are very loud and very aggressive. And uh, shoegaze elements in there, but mostly just um, driving around, blasting it in your El Camino. That's the kind of music this is. There's a new one that was just released as a single, and it's called Moments of Clarity. very crunchy, and I discovered about a week ago that uh, one of the coolest baristas at one of my favorite local coffee houses is a Narrowhead fan, and I was like, dude, you're epic. You're an epic, epic man, and I highly regard you. That is it for the show. Thanks for bearing with me. That won't be as much Arizona-related content, I don't think. 
in the next few weeks. Um, I'm always nervous about it because most people who listen to this, they ain't in Arizona. And I don't want to be just uh, talking about local politics, which will bore everybody to tears. But uh, Arizona's been a big national story, and I keep getting asked questions about it and interviews and blah blah blue. So that's what I've been mired in for quite a while. But thanks very much to Beam Dream. Check out their product. Thanks to you for listening. Please remember to rate, rank, subscribe, all that good stuff to this podcast. Love to see your reviews on iTunes especially, but wherever you listen to this fine podcast, really appreciate your support when it comes to that. And share it on social media so we can bump the numbers. Uh, Already talking uh, to some new, I didn't want to do a guest this time because I knew that the vote count was shady and I didn't know what day it would come in. But yeah, already uh, planning guests for the next few weeks. Hopefully those will all work out. There's some pretty good ones. Got some pretty big fish. I'm trying to reel in here. And I'll talk to you next week. Ricochet. Join the conversation.